OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Superhuman episode. I'm your host, Jeffrey Potvin, and let's please welcome Rob Ryan at Growth Hacks relationship catalyst, coaching, and storyteller as our superhuman for today. Welcome, Rob. We're so excited to have you here today. Great to be here, buddy. Thanks for having me on the show. I don't know if I'm a superhuman, but I definitely want to discuss what it is to be super as a human. Well, I think you're a superhuman. So uh, I think everybody we have the opportunity to chat with and learn from are superhumans. And because you guys are really diving into this, I think there's so much we can share and learn. And, you know, just to take it back a few steps, you and I met a few years back at an event in Mexico, and I learned so much from you just on that journey. So today we're going to learn even more. And the way we love to start our shows off is that we want to learn a little bit more about you. So if you can share all the way back to your Arizona State University days through the companies you built. Sure. All the way to where you are at Growth Hacks today. Share a little bit about that. And then one thing about you that nobody would know. Okay. All right. So I'll, I call this, my dad used to call this my sharecropper story. Like I grew up in a small village. No, this is this is how I all got started. So born and raised in Chicago. Um, not, not an original West Coaster. I'm coming to you today from Los Angeles. I've lived out here in LA, Southern California for more than half my life now, almost 25, 26 years. Um, born and raised in Chicago, went to went to school in Tempe, Arizona, outside of Phoenix at Arizona State. Um, proud Pac-12 uh, sports fan slash alumnus, um, and basically started building my career there. Went to work for my dad, uh, so my dad was my original boss um, uh, because he famously told my mom one time, uh, didn't tell me this until later in life, but told my mom at the time that, well, I'm just gonna have him come to work for me because he doesn't seem what he he knows knows what he wants to do yet. Uh, and this way, I'll at least train him in how to build professional relationships and sell stuff to people, which will guarantee that no matter how badly he screws up his life, he will be employable. <laughs> and so that was the premise under which I went to work for my dad. He became my original mentor in sales and business development, which is the root of my career. I spent the first 10 years of my career uh, working for other companies, working for other people, as I said, um, uh, selling everything from financial services to um, hardware to software. Uh, and I, I like to highlight that sometimes, not because it's about me, but because I think in our world today that you and I live in inside of the startup early stage company ecosystem, um, so many young founders like are literally enamored with the founder life when they're in college and they, they're, they're, they're just trying to create ideas or companies out of nothing. And I always lean back and go like, that's not how it used to be. And this is just me sounding like an old boomer. Like, that's just not how it used to be. Like, you went out into the world like I did for 10 years and you worked for companies and you worked in industries and you built stuff or sold stuff and you you saw problems that were in existence, right? And that was how we started our first company. So 29, 20, 29, 30, I started getting the itch in, in a in a pre-internet bubble one era, like end, end of the 90s when everybody was building startups and early stage companies. And, uh, and I, myself and my field partner, we're selling to big enterprise clients and we were selling at the time, I think it was like customer service software. And every time we would sell like another half million or million dollar deal, we would wind up in these side discussions with our clients, you know, out in 
the middle of North Carolina or the middle of Ohio or someplace, and they would take us out to dinner and they would start telling us about all these other problems that they had in the, and that they were looking for solutions to. And, and we spotted a problem, which at that time would be the problems that later would make up the world of CRM. Uh, but, but it was before we ever called it CRM as an industry. And so that was what gave us the impetus to launch our first company. And then the rest of my entrepreneurial journey from then to today, I kind of bookend really simply. I always say the story is I've been a part of leading or founding four different companies. Two of them were my own idea. Uh, and then two of them were somebody else's idea. And it's, it was the first one that I just referred to, which was a company called Busy Mobile, which eventually was a precursor to CRM. Um, uh, and that was my idea, along with my partner. And then this one, Growth Hacks, the work that we do now across Latin America and, and North America, um, was my idea. And the middle two, which was one, was an investment banking business in Asia um, that took me there for five years in the early 2000s. Uh, that was a completely different business born up by someone else uh, that I got invited in to lead. And then the, the third, the middle one, was a technology company selling hardware, software, uh, hybrid product. Um, into the IT space, um, and again, was somebody else's idea that they brought me in to lead and, and build. So I've had kind of the range of experiences in my 35 years of working since I was 19, or 36 now, since I just turned 55. Um, and uh, when people say, like, how do you have this many stories? How did you meet this many people? I'm like, because I've, I've worked on a lot of different things over the course of my life, right? Well, some people hone in on one job and one career and one company. That's awesome. That's just never been me. So... That's amazing. And I'm going to, oh, before we jump in, one thing yep. about you that nobody would know. Right. Sorry. Yes, you did ask me that. Okay. So uh, no one would ever guess this if they saw me in public or on, online. Uh, it was about 1995. And myself and my dancing partner won a salsa dancing competition uh, in public at a bar restaurant against 150 other couples. Uh, we we won the salsa dancing competition. And the only reason we won, this gringo got taught how to salsa dance by that woman who was my dancing partner and at the time my girlfriend um, for basically six months. Every Tuesday night, we would not go out anywhere. She would cook in and she would move the furniture out of her kitchen because in her little apartment, she had like a linoleum floor so we could kind of slide around really easily. And she literally taught me how to salsa dance from scratch and then like schooled me in it every Tuesday night because in her mind we were preparing for this New Year's Eve dance contest that she had gone to for years and had never competed in and then when she did had never won and she was determined that we were going to win and I was basically just along for the ride but proudly I can say we did win and uh, I was also the only white guy in that entire bar that night in Phoenix Arizona uh, but uh, maybe that was also foreshadowing of my life to come uh, in Latin America. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a great story too, because you see the drive behind somebody and they had a goal and that goal was achieved by, you know, yep. teaching you how to get there and making sure she had the best team to make it work. And I love that. That's a right? six month planning process. That's what it was. She was very determined. And I got to say at the time, I much rather would have us gone to the movie or gone to a ball game or gone out for a drink or something. Right. But you also saw a little bit of my personality because like I'm open to just about anything. And in those things that I'm afraid of or I don't know how to do it all, like I just need someone who knows how to do it to like take me under their wing and go like, okay, we're not, I'm not going to embarrass you. Like, okay, I'm not going to make you look like a fool, right? Like, and so it was in the privacy of our, our little life in her apartment and 
I felt safe. I felt like I could, she was great at making me feel comfortable, which is like a good leadership lesson, ironically. Um, and we wound up dating for a while after that win, although we didn't stay together for a long time, but great relationship. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. You know, and, and to kind of go back to some of the stuff that you shared earlier, which I really want to kind of peel back on, which I think is fantastic, is that your father admittedly and benefiting himself said, I'm going to help my son learn a new skill, bring him into the fold, teach him the business, but teach him how to sell. And this is going to help him in the future. If he ever needs the job to be employable, he'll have this really strong skill set. Yep. And why I love that is because I think there's a lack of that today where people don't actually understand how to properly sell. They don't understand how to make relationships or any of the above. And they just assume that, hey, I'm selling something great. You should just want it. And I shouldn't have to do any work to get it because why? It doesn't make a difference. You need what I have. And that's mm -hmm. how I'm going to sell. And I, I kind of want to peel back on that. And maybe you can share a few of those things because I've experienced it when I first met you. And, and I remember the, I, I asked you one morning when we were um, in Mexico and, and I said to uh, Rob, I watched you over the last few days and you're phenomenal. <laughs> The way you gravitate to people, you're able to open doors up and they don't even know you've opened the door. And by the end of the conversation, which could have been 60 seconds or 16 minutes, they're your best friend. And I watched wow. this and I was like, wow, this guy's incredible. I need to take him out for breakfast and I need to learn what this guy can do because it's incredible how well he can engage someone in so quickly. So maybe you can share some of those lessons that you learned Absolutely. because I think that that has helped you today at 55, which I think congrats is freaking awesome. Thanks. <laughs> that you were able to maneuver through, build companies and get yeah. to a success rate, which is all this learning. So you said you have a lot of stories. Well, those stories came from, I think, that first time that you actually learned how to sell. If you can share what that learning was like. No, thank you. First, thank you for the kind words, first of all. And in absentia, we'll pass those kind words along to Jack Ryan and say, see, Dad, like we're still living the lessons all these years later. Um, uh, everything you just said is completely accurate. Uh, it took me a long time in my own personal maturity journey as a human, as a man, to recognize this, like that this was the root of all right forward. Um, and then to start kind of giving him, as the kids would say nowadays, giving him his flowers or giving him his props, as we used to say, right? Um, but no, it's so much of my, uh, I, I, I now attribute it to kind of the dual, the duality of my personality. And then I'll peel back on some examples of lessons he gave specific to selling. But I say that everything that you get when you meet me now at this point in my life um, is a combination of the DNA and, and then the inputs that both my parents gave me, right? So I was very privileged and very lucky, blessed to be raised by these two incredibly good, well-intentioned, loving people. But my mom taught me all the stuff that is the like natural empathy, the love for others, the loving others first and kind of taking that risk in relationships and in the public in general. Um, you know, the, the service side of me, if you like to say that kind of the, the servant's heart, some might say, um, and then my dad taught me all the the science of it, um, right? So so his famous phrase, back to kind of the professional development part, his famous phrase to me was, I'm going to teach you both the art and the science of professional relationship development. And now keep in mind, this is not 2022, where we use words like relationships and community and all these, these buzzwords now, right? This is 1988, 89, 90, 91, 
right? In a world where like for some technical context, I mean, think about that, right? Like Windows 95 didn't exist. Like there was no iPhone for another 20 years. I mean, two years into my tenure working for my dad in a financial services brokerage business, which was what his career had been built in, um, we bought a fax machine and that was a huge deal. Like, and although, and also by the way, he was completely perplexed by how to use this thing called the fax machine. But at the same time that he was perplexed by this thing called the fax machine, he was telling me aggressively, you need to figure out how to use this fax machine because you know what this fax machine is? This is just another medium through which we can communicate to others and you can use it to build relationships with people. He's like, up to that point, it had been mail, hard mail, knocking on doors, postcards, handouts, those types of things, right? He's like, this fax machine is just the next iteration, which then made it really easy for me as I went forward in my life to then just say, oh, okay, now I'm going to adapt to this new thing called the web. Then I'm going to adapt to this thing called email. Then I'm going to adapt to this thing called SMS and text messages. Then I'm going to adapt to this new iteration of the web, which is social. So to me, literally, like when I'm DMing someone, I'm DMing you on social media, or I'm posting something on social media, Today, it's not a question of like, am I comfortable with Instagram? Of course I am, because my dad helped me figure out how to be comfortable with a fax machine as an evolutionary step above writing a handwritten letter and sticking it in the US mail system to send it to a prospective client. Um, so he was very, very focused on this idea of the art and the science. And I love the, the story, which is a very common thing nowadays, but the story that he was telling me back in that era, which again, keep in mind, was born from his own experiences in the prior 30, 40 years of his career in life at that point, right? So this, these lessons are embedded back to like the 1950s of, of central you know, United States kind of Chicago culture. Um, and so he used to say, I'm a teacher of the art and the science because the truth is that all the work in sales and relationship development is the science. It's the, it's the persistency, it's the follow-up, it's the sending the follow-up at the right time. It's the numbers of follow-ups and numbers of contacts that you have to make. It's the numbers of times you have to go knock on that door or send that message or do that follow-up that, uh, you know, item. And he says, because basically when I get you to understand the science of it, he says, then when you are in front of people, whether that be in front of a group of people or in front of one prospective client or an existing client, then the artfulness of you and your personality can come out. Right. So nowadays we fast forward and, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, I think it was right, wrote the book like 10,000 hours and talked about that concept. LeBron James in the sporting universe talks about this a lot, like how many hours he puts in the gym so that when he gets on the court, the muscle memory takes over and he doesn't have to think about it anymore. So good for Malcolm Gladwell, good for LeBron James, neither of whom were born when my dad was sharing these lessons with me and when my dad was learning these lessons himself. So some of this stuff, as I always say, Jeff, it's just universal truths that I don't care about the era. I don't care if it's, I'm talking to my 11 year old Gen Z niece and, or I'm talking to my 30 year old daughter, or I'm talking to some young venture capitalist or 25 year old startup founder in Brazil. Like some of these are just universally true, right? Is like, you have to understand the mechanics, the work of developing relationships and the science of that. So that when you meet this crazy Canadian guy in some random city in Northern Mexico, and he says to you, I've been watching you surreptitiously for two days. And like, it's incredible. Well, guess what? You know what you were watching? You were just watching the artful side of me be, being able to be on display and function almost subconsciously because I had by that point that you and I met in 2018, I had had drilled into me the science of human relationship development for 20 years. 
right? So it was like, it was just, it's just an embed. So what you see is just, and I'm humbly grateful that you're kind enough to highlight it, but the truth is it's just like an outcome, right? It's not that I have a gift in the moment. It's that I might be gifted with some sets of skills or personality traits, but they were sharpened by the work that my dad laid the foundation. My dad was like saying like, here's your workout plan. Like, this is how you're going to become fit. Except in his metaphor was, this is how you're going to become a credible, sustainable, professional relationship developer. And side note quickly, he used to say to me, I'm, I'm, in, I'm 19, 20, 21, 22 years old at this time, finishing university, just coming out. I'm desperately aware of everything that my peers think of me, right? I'm desperately self-conscious of I want people to like me and I want to be cool. And he says to me one time, he's like, and let me be clear about this. This is like a month into the job. He's like, let me be clear. All your friends are going to tell you, like, your dad's just trying to teach you how to be a salesman. And he says, you know what? He says, you can tell those friends to fuck off because they don't know a fraction about sales and relationship development that I've forgotten over my career. And he says, what I'm teaching you how to do, and that's why I use the language that I've used throughout my entire career, I am teaching you how to be a professional relationship developer. I am teaching you the science and the artfulness of developing human connection between yourself and someone else and then how to facilitate it between other people. He's like, that has, that's like byproduct of that is that you can sell stuff, right? But I'm not teaching you how to sell. I'm teaching you how to do that. And oh, by the way, why am I teaching you how to do that? Because it's been true forever that people will buy from people they like. People will buy from people they trust. People will buy from people that they have some affinity for, right? So he's like, I'm gonna teach you the most important thing. And then the byproduct of that will be the professional opportunities that you will get from it. So. No, I attribute so much of it, Jeff, to, to those early lessons. And it took me a long time because, by the way, like it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Like dad and I were a pretty good dad-son team. And then dad and I probably ruined the dad-son relationship for about a decade because it was a worker, you know, mentor, boss relationship. And that put a lot of strain on our personal relationship. But we recovered all that by the time he passed away. And so in context, it's all, it was all worth it. Um, because ultimately, yes, the person that I have been and am and will be for however long I have left um, is attributable to those skills. So That's incredible. And, and I love this story and the way you kind of brought in to your fold from your father, this relationship side. And I think that's the missing key component to all of this is that when you were taught how to manage the new technology, that was relatively understandable that you're going to be faced with these new things that are going to come at you. They're just another piece to the puzzle of how you're going to sell or how you're going to outreach or how you're going to communicate. But the key here is how you build that relationship, how you start the conversation, how you manage the relationship and how you go forward and continue to benefit both parties. Or as you mentioned, bringing in other parties into that mix to build and on to better and make things better. And, yep. and it kind of reminded me of uh, a story when I was a kid, I was 14 and my father uh, said, you need a job. And I was like, well, I guess so. And I already did a lot of things, entrepreneurial things, even though that wasn't a term back then, you know, selling worms. And uh, my, my mother reminded me that I was beer bottle collecting when I was uh, a young kid. Every Saturday morning at 5 a.m., I'd run through the bush and collect beer bottles for the party the night before because they were behind my house. And I would make, you know, at the time I joked and said I probably made three bucks. But I do remember that I had 
stacks and stacks of cases of beer, maybe 150 bucks worth. And I would get my father to bring me there and I'd get my money and I'd be excited. Right. You were a hustler. You were a bit, you were a young businessman. I was, I was. And I remember my father said, um, you know, to get this job, real job at McDonald's, he said, uh, you know, drove me there and he said, go in and ask for the manager and shake his hand, look him in the eye and tell him you want a job and you'll work for free for two weeks. And I said, wow. Who, the manager? No. And he's like, yes. And tell me to work for free. I said, free? I don't want to work for free. And he's like, do you want the job? That's what you need to do to get the job. Wow. I took that to heart. And I walked in there and I asked for the manager. I was probably shaking like a leaf. And the manager came out. I handed him my resume. And I said, you know, hey, I really want to work here. I love McDonald's, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll work for two weeks for free. And he looked at me and he said, son, you can't work here for free. <laughs> I can't do that. That's We're not allowed that. to do that. Yeah, right. But I appreciate the effort and we'll be calling you. And they did. They called me and I got the job. I was working that's as awesome. a cook. So I, I think the learnings that you gain from that is that that's the entry point into how you learn. And I think back in the you know 80s and the 90s and, and earlier is that the learning of how you sold was that everybody had to sell that it was tough times, interest rates were at 17%. And you had yeah. to figure out what gave you that advantage over somebody else. And yep. what your father talked about and how your father drove that is that he created the advantage, which was how do you not only create this one-time sales, but how do you create a 10-time sales? How do you get yep. them coming back? Because you are the person they trust and believe in. And that's the relationship side. And you know, I can say that I've struggled with that because it's the building that relations. But what I found was that through all these little anecdotal stories and the things that you learn and reading all these different books, they always came back to it is that you can sell to that same person every company you go to yep. as long as you're solving a problem that they can get behind because you brought value to them the first time. Think about this in our current lingo, right? Inside the, the tech ecosystem, especially where we talk about LTV, right? Lifetime value. Like before that was a phrase, Jack, like that's what we we're like that. So my dad was teaching me that before we had that to call it. I, I don't know. I don't remember what he called it. Right. But there was some annualized version of the whole potential value of a client um, over time. I mean, now that was always I. Yeah, it's it's uh, again, it took me it, it took a toll on us, which was the downside of it. And I was, of course, because he and I were very similar in so many ways. I was, of course, the stubborn one that thought he was an asshole for a big chunk of my adult life as a result of that. But then it was, again, kind of mended as before he passed away. And then that was all I needed. And then now, whether I say it, which I do say it all the time, um, or I just live it, um, everything that I, I'm doing is a testament to, to him and to her in some ways, but to him in this particular, in the professional pursuits, for sure. Well, you, you learned a lot from that. And, and I think even from that time where you and I we're sitting down for breakfast and I remember sharing to you that, you know, I watched how you could approach somebody, shake a hand and just slightly, it could be uh, a touch on the back, whatever it was. And that person just kind of melded into your domain of making a comfort level. And then you were swapping numbers, low, uh, laughing, joking. And then literally an hour later, you would see them and it wouldn't be, I need to avoid this guy. It was like, almost a hugging, embracing, even though right. you just met an hour before. Right. And I was like, how did you accomplish that in an hour? Right. I'm like worried and scared and hiding. But I was like, this is incredible how you brought people to that ease of moment. 
And I don't know what, obviously, it wasn't part of the context of the sharing of information. But what I found is that you engage them, made it about them. And yep. that person really drew from that. And maybe you can share a little bit more yeah. of context of how you approach that relationship building, even from the very first, uh, hi, I'm shaking your yep. hand point to yep. how you carry through, because I think that's important to learn. No, critically important. And thank you for highlighting that. Um, I, again, thanks for the kind words about those instances. As I'm listening to you tell that story of Chihuahua, Mexico, which is where we were, everybody. Um, I, I One of the proudest memories of that for me is that like of the three or four people that sat at the same dinner table that like next night, I'm still close friends with all of you. <laughs> like, and we still communicate regularly. And then occasionally when I talk to the other and I say that I talk to the other, that there's this like excited curiosity. Oh my God, how is he doing? And like, I'm the bridge, right? And that's that's just a great testament to life. But but you raise a really, like from a, from, let's talk about like the technical side of this for, for young founders, for, for investors, frankly, just not even young, let's just be honest for all, because we could all use refresher lessons in this. Um, you you subtly gave away one of the keys, right? Which is making it about the other person. Um, you know, whether, whether you're selling, whether you're raising capital, whether you're raising capital as an investor to LPs, trying to raise your own money for your fund, or you're an, a founder trying to raise money from investors, or you're a founder trying to pitch your, you know, products and services to your prospective markets. Um, you... I, I can't emphasize enough. Like you have to lead with making it about the other people. Um, uh, I, I do it almost to sometimes to the annoyance of people in my in my inner circles because, or or even people that I will initially meet because Will and you and I have had this happen. We'll have a call. We'll have a Zoom set up, and it's you know they have their things that they wanted to talk about or something, and you know maybe it was stuff about me that they wanted to find out, and and then I'll just lean into this like, hey, I like tell me your story. Right. And, and I make it about them. And then sure enough, like the clock runs out on the Zoom meeting or the or the time together. And and they're like, wait a minute. Wait, like I didn't I didn't like I didn't we didn't make, talk about you at all. Right. Like, Rob, like I didn't find anything. About, I was like, no, nah, it wasn't what today was for. Like I like. But was it productive? Was it enjoyable? Like, did you? Well, yeah, it was awesome. But I mean, it was all about me. I'm like, that's OK. Like, we can talk again. I'm not going anywhere. Right. So so there is a it's not it's first of all, obviously making making every interaction about the other person. Um, and then doing that, and this would be the second key, like doing that authentically, right? And and that's not, you know, personal authenticity, human empathy. Those are things that can be learned, by the way. I've 100% realized that over my professional career and my life. Um, so they are not necessarily personality traits that if you don't have them, well, then you're screwed. You can never get them. Like if you're not a naturally empathetic person, all that means is you're not a naturally empathetic person. Doesn't mean that you can't learn how to be a more empathetic person, which you can. Um, uh, so to me, it's same with like learning how to be authentically yourself, right? So part of, part of by the time you and I met 2018, right? I'm in this, this chapter of my life. I'm not a young kid anymore. I'm a little less about, you know, trying to impress everybody that I interact with. And I'm a lot more about just kind of like the fun, joyful curiosity of meeting all these interesting people. And so I'm more authentically myself at that point. I'm a better, best version of myself, right? So making it all about the other person, I'll give you a little trick. Like if people are looking for like, okay, how can I apply this in my life or my business tomorrow? Um, I use this phrase, like when I write or when I, when I follow up with you or when I'm standing there in front of you, like, man, I can't wait to hear your story. So, hey, what's your story? Literally, just what's your story? I, I've opened thousands of conversations over the last 
20 years with just, hey, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey, nice to meet you. Hey, oh, you're from Canada. That's crazy. So, so what's your story? Not, and again, very specific word choice. Not, oh, so what do you do? Which is the default, at least North American question, right? And probably European question. Like, what do you do? Right? Or where do you work? Those are the two things that we ask everybody. And those are two of the worst questions of all time. Because the truth is like, if I'm asking you what you do or where you work, I've already narrowed, I've skipped past so much of who you are. And I've like left us in this like dark, lonely alleyway that only is gonna give me one perspective on you. And frankly, it might not even be this perspective of yourself that you're most excited about sharing, right? Because you might hate your job. You might you might desperately not like who you are and what you do. And so therefore, I'm asking you a question that is setting you up to be uncomfortable right away. But everybody, my dad told me this, three great mentors I had throughout my professional life before I started my entrepreneurial career told me the same thing. Everybody, Jeffrey, everybody in life that's ever come out of the womb of someone else and walked this planet loves the opportunity to tell their own story. Now you could be you and a little bit more introverted and a bit quieter, a bit more, bit less publicly loud. But even you like to tell me your story. That's how I learned that you're such an adventurer and you have such diverse interests and you you grew up in Canada and you had this like because we all just preternaturally like to tell our own story. So if if the first foray between us is me literally setting it up on a platter to invite you to tell your story. I've already given us like a head start in the in the likelihood that we could have a deeper connection than just the other people who are going to walk up behind me in that room. Like if we're in a physical room or or online or you know in the Twitterverse, um, the other people that are going to come to be like, what do you? So what do you do? Where are you from? Like I mean, like those are like very specific answers. And once you answer them, like then where am I left with? Oh, so you work with? The, oh, so you're in crypto? Well, I guess we'll talk about that now. Now we're not even talking about you, right? But what's your so what's your story? Or like, what's your story, man? Like, if you can tone that thing in a whole bunch of different ways, and it just leaves the door open. And I'll tell you, my greatest lesson that I've learned in my own life, and it's just been fascinating, is the myriad of directions that people will take their answer. Like, it, it goes in a whole bunch of different ways, although there are some typical ones that repeat themselves, which then if you are if we're being like a little technical lesson right here at, at this point in the show, like then you can, you can adjust to what you're going to do next based on which path they take. And the typical ones they take is like, someone will just lean into it because they've never had anybody ask them that. And so then they just like excitedly vomit, like everything about themselves. And that's pretty cool. Like it's very empowering. Right. And it's, it's very graceful for another person, but then other people, because they've been conditioned to answer the, what do you do? Or in our startup entrepreneurial economy world, they're so conditioned to, like, I didn't even hear what that person said, but they stopped talking and now it's my turn to talk. And so now I'm going to pitch, right? Now I'm going to hit them with my pitch. It's so like, well, so we're building a platform and I'll stop somebody sometimes, sometimes I will stop a young founder or an investor. I'll be like, whoa, 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 hold on, Jeffrey. I didn't ask you what you're building. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't ask you about the fun. Scroll back a second on the, on the tape. I asked you, What's your story? And then I get this like bewildered, bemused look of like, oh my God, what am I supposed to say now? Right. And, and I'll sometimes say, like, dude, you can start wherever you want. You can start, you can start with what you're building. That's fine. But I like, where are you from? 
Where'd you go to school? Like, are you married? Are you single? Like, what, like, who's your favorite football club? Like, I, like, you know, like you start with that. You start, what's your favorite band? I don't, like, just talk to me. And, and it's amazing, but people will default. It's, we're so conditioned to ask and then to be asked the whole, like, what do you do? Where do you work question? That even when given a clean slate of like, so what's your story? We will default to that instinctive like version of the story that we pitched 70 times a day. But man, when I when I've had that happen and then I do stop people, sometimes you let them go. That's fine. And then I let them finish and they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, that's awesome. Going to put that over here for a second. I want to ask you again, what's your story? Like, what's your story? You as the human. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm from Spain. And I'm like, okay, now we're talking. Now I understand you. Right. Because, and this is a storytelling tactic exercise for all founders or investors, right? Like my buddy, and we're about to drop on our podcast, kind of a refresher summer episode um, next week or today, actually, sorry. That'll revisit an episode from my buddy Yogi Roth, and he reminds us all that whether he, like, he is a, a television producer, writer, uh, on-air personality, filmmaker, author, and and so it's in the Hollywood world, or in this, or in or in sports, or in business, like us as entrepreneurs or investors, we all have to answer four questions. There are four fundamental questions to every story that you have to answer. If you're an entrepreneur, I tell every entrepreneur: if you can't answer these questions in your own mind, like you're not ready yet, right? And it's why you, why this. Why now? And why should anybody care? And that's the foundation, as Yogi taught us, that's the foundation of every book in history. That's the foundation of every movie in history. That's the foundation of every television show and every early stage or successful company is that you became good at answering that. And you eventually, you combine it together, right? So it becomes why you doing this right now. And then the who that, like why they should care becomes the why the investors should care, why the start with your your clients should care why should the market care right and and that ties back to the whole like what's your story right this our stories are compilations of much more of us than just the thing we do or the thing we're building or the fund we're raising right well so what's your story oh so we're raising a new 27 million dollar fund like it's fun too and i'm like whoa 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 <laughs> like i don't even i'm not even i don't even know where you're from yet it's like so, so those would be my big lessons, right? Is asking someone else now, speaking about asking them their story. That's a device that you could use to make it about them. And then authentically, so try and be your best self. If you struggle with it, do like you did in a miniature way in Mexico for four days and like mimic someone that you see that is doing what you think you should be doing or just flat out ask them to like help you figure out how to do it. And then the last bit, I guess in there, like the third takeaway was just be, enjoy it like be curious be quiet like i'm talking a lot right now but stop when you when you engage with someone and you make it about them and you're doing it authentically listen just just shut up and listen take it in my dad always said to me like hey and this he was said to us when we were kids but apply applicable as a professional we have two ears and one mouth for a reason right? We should listen more than we talk. And he remind, he told me that when I was a little kid, because I think he wanted me to talk less. But then he reminded me of that as a young professional, because he's like, you should literally talk less. He's like the greatest salesman in the world, the greatest relationship people in the world, the client will talk like 95% of the time. And you're there to guide them to the solutions that they need for their problems. So that would be my three big things, right? Like make, the, make it about other people, ask them their story, 
do it authentically, genuinely be in the moment, be present, um, and, and then just listen, right? Like genuinely enjoy listening to other, learning about other people. Um, is life's a great adventure. As I always say on social media, life's a great adventure if we just let it be. Wow, I love it. I'm running out of paper. I was writing so fast. <laughs> so I think there's a couple of things, well, a lot of things that we can unpack there, but there's a couple of them that really stood out. And one of them was that, and maybe this is the coaching side of you, and, and I'm almost thinking, or I think back when I was uh, playing junior hockey and, and I was doing yoga and stretching, and people asked me, you know, what thing, this was later on, they asked me, you know, what thing would you advise someone that was getting in? And I would say, you know what, if you're going to be an athlete, do a lot of different sports and do mm -hmm. yoga because it'll help you strengthen muscles you never knew you had. And that'll change you dynamically and make you a better player. So look at all the things that you can do. And now I take what you're doing on the coaching side. And I almost feel like if you're going to start a business, finish university or college or high school and go do something, take a course in coaching. Because yeah. th there's a lot of learning that you probably will miss and not gain in the real world. But you will get perspective as your father gave you. And as you gain throughout life, and it feels like there's a lot of coaching elements in here that if you took a six week or a six month course in coaching, you would be able to better understand yourself in this process. Because oh one of the things that really popped out to me, which I think is awesome, is that through all of this, what you've done is you've taken your ego, put it on the table beside you, and you said, I'm not about me in this scenario. I'm going to empower you as a person. So right when you got on this call or right when you get onto any call you have, you say, take a second and breathe. And you know, to your, your father's point, I say, uh, breathe twice, speak once. And, and you take that moment and you say, I'm going to make this about you. I'm not in this. This isn't about me. This is about you. So I'm going to empower you. And if I empower you by saying your great line, which is, tell me your story. And then cut them off when they start to pitch you on something and say, no, 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 no. What I'm looking for is about you. I want to know what makes you tick. What is that you did this morning or you did 10 years ago that changed why you're sitting here? We wouldn't yep. be sitting here if you didn't do X. What is that? What yep. made you you? And because yep. you're empowering people, that gives them the energy to say, wait a second, you care? You want to mm. learn about me? Dude, you just and hit it right there. Like that. Changes. Like we got to emphasize that statement you just made. Wait a minute, you care? Bro, at the end of all of this, and I and I, I probably talk about this more on social media than just about anybody else that I interact with on social media, but dude, this is all like, we just want to be loved as people. We're human beings. Like, we're, like we just want to be loved. And that's a, that's a layer above like we want to be liked. Like, of course we want to be liked. Like that's... But like, that's more superficial, but like deep down, we are desperate to be loved as human, as part of the species. It's like in our DNA. So to your point, sadly, most of society and especially business culture, right? Has intentionally tried to like strip that truth away and like hide it in the closet because they can't talk about that, right? But to that person that in your example is like leaning across the table going, oh my God, this person actually cares about me. Right? Like, oh, okay. And that's just DNA level stuff right there. I mean, that's almost like a cheat code for 
Like how do, how do we, and your example is an awesome one. I forget that this happens because I live inside my own body, but it's fun to hear it from like someone who's an observer outside of me in those moments. But like that truth of like an hour later, that person that I met an hour before, when we run into each other again, it's like, there's an embrace. There's a, there is a, there is a love rooted connection, right? That's positive. Or, or people will say like, like, I just, I, you know, you emanate good energy, Rob. And these are all things people say about me. I'm not saying about myself. I'm grateful for this, but like, and I recognize that this is true, but like, you know, I, I just, I wanted to hang out with you. Like I, I, I felt more energy. Your energy is infectious. Uh, like, you know, I, all these things that are just ultimate compliments, but the root of what they're really saying is that there is this trust and connection that is unique. And you've, you've been kind enough to say this to me lately. Others say it the two phrases that I get a lot in the last couple of years where we've been much more remote is when people interact with us on the podcast and they're like, I've like, that was incredible. Like I've done a myriad of podcasts, but like that conversation with you and Eliana, like it felt like we've known each other for decades. And like, it was just so like, I just forgot we were doing a podcast. Right. So that's an ultimate compliment to me, um, helping someone become their, like release their authentic self, as someone said to me the other day. And then the other one I get all the time is when we meet people in real life that we have nurtured relationships with online, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. It's this immediate, like, Oh my God, you are literally the same person that you are online. Which that to me is like the, Greatest compliment ever, right? Because then when they say that, what they don't know that my brain is spinning back to is, well, yeah, because my dad taught me how to build relationships on a fax machine. <laughs> so, so the truth is I only know it to be this way and this is how I show up on Twitter. And then like, so I don't have as a lot of people do and I'm not begrudging people their choices. I'm just simply saying maybe there's a more effective way to be a human is a lot of people adopt personas online, right? And so Twitter, which I'm active on, is very famous for this phrase, like people did shitpost, which is some combination of being a bully and a sarcastic a-hole and picking like picking arguments with people. And I'm like, that's a whole persona. There are people who literally, like I built my following being that person. And when I see that, I'm like, so you built your following being an asshole. Like, I'm like, that's not like, so how does that, how, how do you, what do you do with that persona when you're at home on the weekend with your kids and your wife and your neighbors? Like, are, are you a different person? Because if that's true, then what is the point? Right? Like, because again, to me, Twitter, email, text messaging, all that stuff, those are just extensions of my metaphorical fax machine, which when my dad was saying, like, these are all just tools to build connection with other human beings, to build relationships with other people. So use the tools that are available to you. Because at the end of the day, man, as my friend Federico Antoni famously told us on our podcast, one of the OG venture capitalists in Mexico, it's all about the people, Jeff. <laughs> it's all about the people. It, it really is. And, and what's fascinating is that a lot of people will say it's about the people, but when you're engaging with them, they're not about the people no. and they're very... Um, pulled back because they're not doing one thing which you really emphasized earlier on in, in our discussion and which I love which is ask questions yeah if you empower somebody you can't just ask one question and leave it you have to create engagement and yep. engagement comes by showing that you understand where they're coming from so you have 100%. to follow up to those questions and remember things like if you ask somebody about their childhood and then dismiss it later on they're going to see that this was just a sales tactic and that yeah. you didn't learn from them. That's Remember not, those that, yeah, finer details. They make a huge difference. 
if I remember our engagement from uh, start to end and remind you of it, that memory is what brings the value back to us because it puts us back into a position where we first met or were friends. The and now number like, of times, yes. the number of times. I mean, it's 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 one of my great joys in life is revisiting mentally, emotionally, revisiting that experience in Chihuahua every time you and I talk. Because every time you and I talk, no matter the context, you do an incredibly masterful job of reattaching to those stories and those experiences. But I also now know you well enough to know, like you're doing that from the most authentic place ever, because the reason that you're reattaching us to those stories in the moment, every single time we talk, is because those moments meant so much to you. Well, I learned like, so much from right, it. You're right. Exactly. It changes. It changes right. the individual. So you're like, I learned something so ch- life-changing yeah. at that moment. I was yes. meant to be there to learn right. that. That exactly. I've used it every day of my life from forward because That's of it. what I learned. That's it. And in That's my it. own form. Yeah. Like even which when you is, tell which, a is, story, which is the ideal. I mean, that right. That's the best version of ourselves is is as I always say, in our own form. Right before we got on the, the show, I was on with a young group of, of entrepreneurs from Latin America. And a couple of times I could tell, because I've done this so many 10,000 times, I can tell when they're just taking notes and they're not really listening to what I'm saying because they're fearful that they're going to miss some like pearl of wisdom, right? And so then I stop them and I detour them and I'm like, hey, whoa, time out. Remember, everything I just said, it's just my opinion. Because we're going to hang up and the minute we hang up, I'm going to go on to a podcast with my friend from Canada and I'm going to be in a different headspace. And you all are going to have to go back to take responsibility for this company because it's yours, it's not mine. I'm just giving you my opinion based on what I'm hearing and my experiences. But you own this. And then they're like, oh, it's like a subtle slap to the face, like to get their attention again. Because we do this, right? Like you got to be there. You got to be in it. You got to be in the moment and then do what you do. We have a slide that we use in, in, our, in a couple of our webinars that we give about how to be mentored. So how to be a good mentee. And then also how to be a good mentor um, in some of the work we do. And one of the things we highlight is how to be an active listener. And you are very good at this because, and you're doing it right now, right? So literally it's the idea, it's the art of asking the question and then taking notes, right? We have a, we have a client in, in the middle part of the US, a, a technology company, and there's a section of that team that just famously shows up to meetings, most of which I just participate on via Zoom. And so I get to have this weird angle where I get to watch all of these people sitting at a table, which I probably wouldn't watch all of them if I was sitting next to them. Um, and the numbers of guys that show up with literally no notepad, no pen, no paper, no computer, nothing. They just sit there. And I like, I have to call them out then in one-on-one sessions. Like how, like what, how did you, you, unless you're like have an elephant memory, there's no way you remember the detail level stuff. Um, and then I'll pop out my little notebook, which looks like yours, I'm sure. And I'll be like, I, I just took three pages of notes on this one topic. That we, like I just asked five follow-up questions and I just kept writing stuff down, right? Because there's also a science, as, as you and I both know, and maybe the listeners don't, like there's a science to, even in our digital era, there's a literal biological scientific truth to the connection between the pen in our fingers and the paper and our brains and our ability to comprehend knowledge and information. Right. So I don't care if you love your Palm Pilot or your I just dated myself or your Blackberry <laughs> or your or your iPhone or your your Kindle writing device. I don't I don't even know what all those things are because I just keep basically I just buy stacks of these notebook things. Right. And I just keep I, if I go to a conference, all I want is the notebooks. I'm like, I don't want any other swag because I know I'm going to need these because I'm going to fill them with notes from conversations that I have. 
Um, so there's another kind of like bigger humanistic truth, but it's also a very tactical scientific thing that you should just do if you want to increase your ability to comprehend information, connect with people. My dad, you'll love this quick story because it's the old school version of what you just said in the modern way. So one of the lessons my dad would say, we did knocking on doors in-person business in this, in this business. And it was small business people, doctors, lawyers, and we were selling financial planning, financial investment services. So you're trying to get into the office, right? Past the gatekeeper, past the front desk person trying to get into the doctor's office. One of the first tips that my dad said is, when you go into these people's offices, when you do go into the office, you have to learn how to mentally survey the office, the physical space, because then when you leave, the first thing you have to do is then you have to take out your notebook in the car and you have to write down the things that you saw. And he goes, "What? this is what you're looking for. You're looking for like the picture of him and his son fishing. You're looking for the, the picture of his daughter in a ballet uniform. You're looking for the, 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 the football on the, on the shelf, the, the American football that has his signature on it. And it's got 1964 in it because that's probably where he played college ball. And you're, and you're, or, or, oh, he's a Cubs fan, or he's a Bulls fan, or like, and you're, and you're just chronicling all that information. Cause again, in the physical old school world, that's how you did that. By the way, you can apply that in today's world and frankly, much more powerfully and comprehensively. Cause now I can follow you, Jeffrey Potvin, on social media and I can click there and then I can click through and I can click through. And the next thing you know, I'm listening to your podcast. I'm reading the articles that are on Google. You were interviewed by the Wall Street Journal. I'm, and I got all of that available to me as, as tools to help me use in a human way to get to know you better, one, background information, but then also just to simply have more common shared space between us, right? So like you and I in travel, our, I'll famously remember when you were on our show uh, uh, and Ileana was interviewing you, the thing that immediately bonded you to, no other context in the relationship other than me, the thing that immediately bought into is that you are a dedicated, like hundreds of company world traveler or hundreds of countries world traveler. And she is like the wanderlust aspiring world traveler, right? And so she's like, I will love this Jeffrey Potford guy forever. And I can't wait to meet him in person because he's lived a life that I want to live. And I just want to absorb his stories and be inspired and motivated because then maybe I'll go be a traveler. So like that's common context. Because she asks him questions, you share some information. Now she knows that about you. So now you guys are forever bonded, right? Which if, if you never saw each other again, or if you just ran into each other at Guadalajara, you'd sit down and have a meal, partially because of the comfort zone of the podcast, but mostly because in her mind, she'd be like, he is living a life that I want to live. And I, and I want to learn more about it. And then you'd be like, oh my God, I love telling stories about my travels. Like I live to tell those stories about my travels. So let me tell you, Ileana. So yeah, it's it's you gotta observe what is what is going on in the lives of the people that we're trying to build relationships with. And and to your point before, like you should be trying to build relationships with the people in your circles and in your markets. You should not be trying to sell them things or raise capital from them. Like every investor on Twitter says, Hey, by the way, build a relationship with me before you ask me for my money. And some of them, to your point, don't really mean that. Right, because they're just as bad on the other end of the relationship as others. But at a base human level, that's what they hope for. Right? Dad's old philosophy was give, give, ask. That was just his life philosophy. That was just give, give, ask. Give literally twice as much or give, give again before you ever get to a place of asking for something from someone. 
And that in and of itself is like a great way to just like step out of your apartment or your house into the world that we live in and just think about how you interact with the rest of the human race that's around us. Um, if you want to give twice as much as you're going to ask for, it's a, not a bad way to live. I love it. You, you created so many more things here. I think we should just call this the cheat code of, uh, of podcasting, but and I'm just going to rifle a few off because we might have to make this six shows, but there's so much great insight here that you're sharing. I love the give, give, ask. And, you know, I think that's staging it for a real relationship. But the other thing that you you touched on when you were kind of exploring uh, this whole process of, and I'm going to call because as a past ex hack from a long time ago, um, that's called fishing. And fishing was learning yep. everything about the person, looking for photos, looking for contacts, looking for this, were they at a sports match? Were they here? Were they there? And then you can obviously get more information from that. But that is so good, genuine information that somebody can use to connect with people. So just yep. like when we go into our rapid fire questions, they're the same thing. Like, do you like this versus that? Yeah. You're, you're fishing to get information to learn enough that puts you in the same shoes or the same space as that person. And again, that's in your, while you're empowering people, you're also figuring out. And I think the context to what you shared is how you're being vulnerable um, as a host to asking these questions. You're also being vulnerable. You're opening up and sharing tidbits of information about yourself while this process is going on, while you're creating this relationship, which is opening that person up and that door for that person to do the same. And when you look at relationships that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years old, and they're uh, perpetual, it's because they've shared enough of that connection and bonding that allows them to go into more things. They invest in companies together. They do X yep. and Y. And that's because there are elements there that they both see eye to eye. Hey, we met because of this. We connected because of these principles. And now I think we could take it to the next level by doing X. And, you know, if, if you keep looking for the right people and that really mirror you as a human, and you, you talked about this earlier on your empathy and how that you learn these skills, you're going to attract those types of people in your sales funnel, in your in your life cycle, and all of these things combined. And then you'll look back and say, you know, hey, I'm, as you mentioned, I'm 55. But look at all these people that have collectively come and followed me into these different buckets. And if I need X, I can go after X. If I need Y, I can ask for Y. Because you've collectively given enough of yourself, but you've also helped them solve many problems and this goes back to you know earlier comment comments where when you built enough relationships, they're dumping more problems on you. Hey, I had this problem, and you were like, "Hey, I just came here to sell you a fax machine." And they're like, "Hey, but you know what? I, I need um, I, I can't go to this trip because I need a plane, and it's a bush plane, and I can't fly to go to go fly fishing with my buddies. Hey, can you help me out? Yeah, I know a guy that runs a prop mm -hmm. plane. I can help you out. So now you're solving bigger problems." that are tying you in deeper into this relationship. And again, yep. that's that give, give, get. But again, yep. you're building value. And I think 100%. that that is so valuable in, uh, in all the no, things you share. Agree. And it really comes back to that is make sure you're providing value. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to stem that relationship for each level year after year yep. and make it repetitive or perpetual as you grow. 100% true. I think in some ways, I, I have to catch myself sometimes and realize, like, I, I do have maybe a non-traditional view of the world, or I do look at things differently than everybody else does. And then, then I have to therefore appreciate that there are other people who look at 
the same things differently than I do. But like in my case, I, I often joke um, or say <laughs> like the, you know, I've gone through lots of highs and lows and there are times in my life, uh, even recent times in my life where I may have been the like most cash poor person on the planet, but I will also simultaneously be the richest person ever. Because in my worldview, whether it was instinctively shaped by my dad or it was seeds that they planted my dad and my mom and then I took to my own level, as you would say, and applied it to my own personality. Like I literally, like the greatest single asset that one can own or have in their lives and then collect, if you want to think about them as collectibles, is human relationships. And so I, like, I, I can't, even on my worst day in the traditional economic realm of the world, I cannot anymore feel so badly because I cannot deny that when I flip open my mental Rolodex of the human relationships that I am blessed to have, to have nurtured and to have in my life who care about me and to have accumulated or collected over the years, like I, I, I can't look at that ledger anymore and be like, well, like, oh no, I'm really life sucks and I'm really poor and I don't have like resources. And like, that guy's a rich guy. Like, I just can't do that anymore. Like without laughing at myself, there was a period where I could do that and I would make that argument and it was a false argument, right? Now I've gotten to such a point where I'm like the money or lack of money, either lots of it or not enough of it, it's just an outcome. Like, and I can't freak out over outcomes anymore. That's just a result of something that did or didn't get done at some prior, prior process, step in the process. But like the human collect the, the asset value, I literally, I would be Warren Buffett on human relationship asset value. If we could attach that, I would be that. Um, and I know that now, like proudly and loudly. And that's that's very empowering. Um, it's very, it's very um yeah, empowering. It just it's safe. It's 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 the thing that makes me say to friends like you, like I'm the luckiest guy ever. Um, to to get to be this guy trying to live the life that I'm trying to live. Like. Because just people are just this incredible gift. <laughs> it's amazing that you that you've you found this, that you see it, that you've learned it, and that you grew from it. Because a lot, I think, a lot of us miss that opportunity to understand the empowerment that people have and what they can do for you uh, yeah. indirectly, just from a handshake or a phone call or whatever that might be. Uh, but I think humans are incredible, and it's really how you work with them throughout time and the more you do it the more you learn and the more you're able yeah. to bounce back and bounce around and you'll yep. you'll find that it's the most empowering thing you'll ever go through just like running a podcast yeah uh, you leave like you just drank 12 red bulls because the yeah. learning and excitement you get from it is the same thing you get from any sort of relationship that you've built and yep. you sit down and maybe you didn't see the person for a year and it felt like you just were with him yesterday and i think that in time people will build these relationships and slow down and not everything has to be done at 100 miles an hour and they'll realize they'll get more out of it when they do take a slower approach to it take yep. more time ask more questions empower people and really genuinely get to learn what is actually about that person and i think yep. you really you really stated it 100 by you know what is your story and i think that that this whole genre of what we're talking about today is is really what is your story and i think you've uh, created an incredible story and we're gonna we're gonna have to move on into our our next no, segment I, i'm excited let's go let's we gotta, go we gotta wrap it. up these uh rapid fire questions but um i can say that uh, i've been inspired and learned a lot so thank you oh, my so pleasure. it's been a blast First question is going to be, before we get into the rapid fire questions, what's the toughest lesson you've learned over the last 10 years of 
really diving into the coaching part. What's the, the biggest lesson you've learned? Um, a, a misplaced belief or over-dependence on my ability to solve all the problems. And so that's literally the lesson I've learned about myself. <laughs> and then I would say that in this example, I am a proxy for every founder, every entrepreneur, every, every executive that I've ever interacted with um, is that is the most dangerous, call it mistake or missed truth that catches the most of us is this, this just, it's built on a sandcastle or a pile of sand, man. It's this false belief that because we are the creator, the risk taker, the builder, the dreamer, then we believe we are endowed with that superhuman ability to solve all those really complex problems um, ourselves, and we're just not. And so again, the leap from that, the bridge from where that lesson takes you once you learn it is, ah, that's what all these other people around me are for. Okay, let me humble myself, or as you said before, let me take my ego and set it aside for a moment. Let me subjugate myself for a bit to be able to admit, I don't know what I'm doing right here at this crossroads. I need some help. I need some advice. Like, hey, I'm not even sure how to ask you this, but like, can we just talk about this place that I'm stuck at until I can figure out how to ask you, or maybe you can help me figure out what I'm trying to say to you. But I mean, like that, that level of humility and self-awareness, that's the key. Because humility isn't easily tossed around like, oh, I got to be more humble. Ah, we're not, right? Self-awareness, man. And by the way, I've met plenty, to be clear, this isn't like, well, because you're old and you have wisdom and self-awareness. Yeah, like that's kind of how it's played out for me. But I meet plenty of like 20-year-olds who are incredibly self-aware um and and are very attuned to like who they are and why they are and why we should care right and they have they carry those answers to those four questions but um yeah that's the biggest lesson for me has been the number of times i see founders entrepreneurs investors executives struggling or massively failing i can usually strip it down to they just tried to fix it all themselves well said well said you know, that the, the helpers some always need help too. We always have to go somewhere. We always report up, we're down or sideways, but we all brother, have to brother, the mentors, the mentor has to have some mentors. Agreed. And and, well, and, I, I, and and I do. And I like that's that was a thing for me a long time. I was like, oh my God, it's training. I'm the mentor to every I'm everybody's Uncle Rob. Like I'm everybody's mentor. But then I had to realize like I need mentors in my life. And by the way, I have some awesome ones that are like. I just talked to one last week because it's an interesting time in life right now. He's 81 years old. He's incredible for me, like the wisdom and the experience. But then I also have mentors that are in their 20s that teach me a different perspective. Now, I would argue my 14, 15-year-old niece is a mentor of mine in some ways because she keeps me like light and like not getting too serious about things and remembering that it's just, like, so yeah, the mentors, the coach has to have a coach, the mentor... The, the executive has to have someone that they, as you say, we, we report up, we report down, we report sideways. Yeah, you can't, we, we can't think of it as a singular solo thing that we have to do. We don't have to be the hero. I love it. No, that's good, man. That's some great sharing. Um, okay, we're, we're going to jump into the, the 60 second rant. Let's this go. Is, uh, our exciting part. So I'm going to, well, it's all exciting, but I'm going to start the clock. You got 60 seconds to rant about anything that's driving you crazy bonkers that you want to express and share. I will have one rebuttal. 
and then okay. you'll you'll close it off and we'll go from there. Are you ready? Right. Yep. Go. Let's go. I'm leaning in on a tweet that I sent two days ago. And by the way, the most viral tweet I've ever sent in my life. Like this thing took off like tens of thousands of like it blew me away. It was two sentences, one line, build relationships, period, not connections. We need to do more of that in business. We need to do more of it in life. But in this show, let's talk about for entrepreneurs, for investors, like there is such a dearth of relationship building and relationship nurturing and love. And there's such this mad gold rush for connections and connections means followers and audience and subscribers and all these bullshit metrics. Like, excuse my language. It's fucking people, man. Like build relationships, not connections. That's my rant. I love it. So my rebuttal to that would be in this fast paced world and an environment, And the high inflation, high cost of everything. I'm trying to build a relationship, but it feels it's one-sided. And the one-sided comes from the fact that I reach out and say, I need a quote for this. No. And not one person takes time to call me and ask me to go for a coffee or ask no. to meet me. Or they just, just ask you anything. Off. Yeah, just fires off a number and says, deal with it. And they don't care. They're like, I don't need the relationship, but the relationship has to come on both sides. How do you make, how do you make yeah. this work when you're fighting for relationships and everybody else is fighting for a sale? Two, two answers. One, <laughs> three quick answers. So my dad had the three P's rule. Polite, professional, persistence. <laughs> He's like, that is basically the mantra that will get you through life. Polite, professional, persistence. So sadly, Jeffrey, when you're looking for that vendor or that home service provider and they're, you're, not getting a, you're not getting any feeling of good customer service, you know why? That's because I was right. Because those, those companies who are the little service providers and the big ones are shitty at building relationships with their client base and they're not nurturing those relationships in meaningful human ways. And so they're just selling stuff. Right. And they're just chilling goods and services. And so your persistence has to be you got to keep pushing through until you find that vendor that fits you. Like that guy or girl that's going to come into your house, that's going to work with your business. Like you got, you just got to keep until you find that. Don't do the cheap, easy thing, which is like, okay, I'm going to put up with shitty customer service and I'm going to just take the bid from that guy. Don't do that. Cause then you're basically like, you're basically tacitly saying it's okay that they can act like that. Right, because we train our vendors and our vendors train us as customers. Right. And so when we acquiesce, we're basically saying, it's okay. You can treat me like crap, United Airlines, because I still keep you because I need my points. Like, you know, so so that that's the PPP, like just polite professional persistence. And then the other thing is just um, man, you just got again, you just gotta know who you are. Like there's like, there's a lot, like there are people like, let's be clear. So everybody understands this. There are people and vendors and business partners and all that stuff that we shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing business with. Like, the, 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 we, like I, I don't wake up thinking like, I'm going to apply everything we talked about today. And ev all 8 billion people on the planet are going to become my friends. Like I learned long ago that there's probably 50% of the world that thinks I'm a nutcase and doesn't give a crap about me or even doesn't like me. And then there's 50% of the world that would like run through fire with me. My dad used to say, 
stop trying to convert those. And I, I won't, I don't want to be politically incorrect, but my dad used to use a lot of religious references because we were Irish Catholics in the seventies. So it used to be like, stop trying to convert those people to become this religion, that religion to become this religion, and just go find the people who are the believers in you. And then just double down with that. So we spend a lot of our energy as companies, as salespeople, as founders, as investors, trying to convert the people, the non-convertible. Leave them alone. The minute that you know that's not a good fit, move on. Go find the believers. Find your believers. Find your tribe. Because then you're unstoppable. I love it. I love it. It's uh, your your father was a very wise man, and uh, you made a one hell of a fantastic student because uh, you've now become the the teacher and sharing that wisdom. So it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I like the three P's. Uh, people should live by those. And I, I think there's uh, yeah so much good uh, insight there. So uh, I like it. And and you're right. There's um there's a lot to be said about how you you manage yourself and how you manage others and how you can build a real relationship. You don't need thousands of them. You need five or you need ten. And if you spent your time just trying to figure out how to build those, there would be lots of extra value that comes from them, friendships included. And it just takes some time to believe in what you want and figure out how to get where you're trying to go. And those yep. are the people. And, and I love the fact that you've got 20 year old mentors and a 14 year old mentor. Yep. I, I think all of these all make a difference because it's all perspective and that 100%. perspective is what makes you a better person. And, and you can't go wrong with that. So I'm going I'm to give you a quick, cause I know some of your audience is young hustling founders. And then, and then we got to jump into my, I can't wait for my fat rapid fire questions. Uh, but uh, I was on a panel three, four weeks ago here in LA at a big event. And my topic was to talk about how to build relationships through social media. And I opened my statement by saying, if you are interested in figuring out how to get a million or 10 million or 5 million followers, I'm not the guy. I said, if you're interested in how to figure out how to have 6,500 followers and actually know 5,000 of them, I'm your guy. And that speaks to what, that speaks to what you just said, right? Yeah, you can, you can be a channel. Or you can be a microphone, and I guess you have to figure out which one is the most valuable for you. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Well, there's a million things bouncing in my head that I'm going to not say, because if I say it, we'll we'll keep going, and uh, yes, I'm no. going to focus on the rapid-fire questions. Let's do rapid-fire, man. Never, hey, maybe there's a part two of this show. It's in a, in a there might have to be. Never, there might have to be. I would do it with you in a heartbeat. I love it. This is good. All right, here we go. Rapid-fire. Most famous person that pops in your mind. Michael Jordan. I like it. Fifth year. First no brand. Idea. I no idea why. <laughs> I always pick Michael Jordan, man. He's my fifth <laughs> year guy. So I love it. Uh, first brand that pops in your mind. Oh God. Now I'm going to sound like a Michael Jordan sports head Nike. <laughs> okay. Book or movie. Ooh, uh, movie. Superman or Batman. Okay. Quick, but long answer. I would have said Superman my entire life. My former business partner once called me Batman. And he said, I'm calling you Batman because it's the greatest compliment I could give you. Because Batman had no real superpowers other than his wit and his heart. And he goes, that's you. So now Batman. I love it. Well, for statistics, and I don't have the exact exact, but from all of the podcasts we've done, I will say that 80, 90% of all investors and uh, alike pick Batman. And I believe it's for the same reason. Yes. Yeah. 
it's kind of the underdog in a sense, but it's also because they have real skills that have to make things work. And I was just the typical consumer. I wasn't like a Marvel versus DC guy. And my old partner was. And so he was the one that like knew that reasoning, right? And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I do like Batman better now. He's just a regular Joe who just happens to be rich, right? I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, fortune cookie or birthday cake? Fortune cookie. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Oprah. Mountain or beach? Ooh, mountain now. Your, a lot of your Instagram is mountains, so I would agree. Yeah, I no, yeah. I mean, although I was a beach guy, like for like up until like these last 10 years, here's the reason why mountains. Um, there's something about, for me, just emotionally, there's something about literally sitting above it all, kind of like, and literally physically being removed from the noise. And and in that, there's like a solitude that I, I just don't find at the beach anymore. Oh, I agree with it. I agree with you. Uh, bike or run? Bike. Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? McNuggets. I'm a chicken guy. <laughs> even though, <laughs> even though there, even though I don't think there's any chicken left at McNuggets anymore. <laughs> true, true. Uh trophy or money. Oof. Money. Beer or wine? Neither anymore. I've been a non-alcoholic drinker for three plus years now, but uh it would have been beer. Love it. TED Talk or book reading? Book, no offense to all my TED friends, but book. TikTok or Instagram? Okay, today, Instagram. Three years from now, TikTok. Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. I'm, can I say neither, but LinkedIn, yes. <laughs> Favorite movie and what character would you play? Oh my goodness. This is impossible for a movie lover like me. Um, Oh my God, there are so many choices, but the one that I'm just going to spit out is Gladiator and Russell Crowe's character. That's a great movie. That's literally, I, it's got to be one of my favorites. It's top five. Favorite book? Oh, The Alchemist, hands down. Ooh, good book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite sports team? Oh, uh, a, a myriad, three. Uh, three different sports, three different. Uh, Chicago Cubs, um, Arizona State Sun Devils, college football. And then Liverpool uh, FC uh, soccer. Slash Arsenal. Arsenal? Yeah. No, no, I did not say Arsenal. You said <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> we, can, we, this is, we can ignore this part of our friendship. <laughs> fair, although, fair. Although, although I'm a huge fan of Miguel Arteta. I think he's, I think he's awesome. I love the oh, current agreed. manager at Arsenal. So, yep. yeah. But, yep. but, I'm a, but I'm sorry. I'm a bigger fan of, of Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> fair, fair. That's okay. All right. We're almost there, man. What is the meaning of success to you? Oh, just living a full life, working on things that you are excited about with people that you love, um, leaving every room and every interaction and every project a little bit better when you leave it than when you found it. I love it. What's your superpower? Um, clearly, based on this episode, having been born to Jack Ryan and Joyce Ryan. Uh, because it's produced me uh, that I am trying to do their names justice. But um, my instinct and what everybody keeps telling me is my curiosity, my infectious energy, um, and my human empathy. I 100% agree with all of those. You're uh, a fantastic superhuman, and you've brought a lot to the world, and we appreciate you, and we thank you very much for joining us today. This was fantastic. 
Rob, this is by far the longest podcast we've we've had to date, but the most energy. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so I'm so sorry for that. I've contributed to the longest podcast. No, this is good. You got to break rules and make new uh, new beginnings. So this is good, man. This is good. I love it. A lot of great insight. As I say all the time, I've taken millions of notes. Uh, I can share it. Good stuff. Uh, but I, I appreciate all of your time. And the way we like to end our show is uh, we like to give you the last word. Anything you want to share to the investor community, to yeah. startups, to other superhumans, uh, we turn it over to you. Share how people can get a hold of you. But again, yeah. thank you yeah. very much for all your time. No, thank you, buddy. I love you. You know that. I say that authentically. I'd give you a big hug if I could. Um, uh, I'll close with a statement and I'll tell you how you can find me on social. But I think the realization for me, I teased you when we opened about, I don't know if I'm a superhuman, but I love the pursuit of being a superhuman. And I think the real takeaway for me, which is again, an ode to uh, my mom and dad, is I think what we've really discovered is that my dad uh, was a superhuman. um, because. yeah, so we'll just leave it at that. So I, that, that's been my takeaway from today is um, I'm lucky to have been his son. Um, and how you can get me, you can find me literally anywhere. I am I make it super easy on social media. It is I am Rob Ryan, I-A-M-R-O-B-R-Y-A-N. Um, and that is the same on Twitter. Now it's now threads, which is new. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, like you could literally find me anywhere or on LinkedIn, you just go look for Rob slash Ryan. And then it's the picture of the guy that looks like me. Um, and uh, yeah, and please reach out. Like I, I am the guy that has open DM. So if there's ever anything I can do to help um, with you as a founder, as an investor, as an executive, you just need somebody to talk to. You're, you're, you're coming to LA. If you're ever coming to LA to visit, you, you want to visit with somebody, have a cup of coffee, like hit me up on DMs and I'm happy to help. So thanks. Thanks for having me, Jeffrey. It's been awesome. I love you. This uh, fun journey, fun adventure today. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, great, great. Wow, great conversation again. Really, uh, there's so many tidbits that we we learn from this. Um, empower people, make them important, let them understand. Like these are all the cheat codes. I love that line, the cheat codes. But yeah, empower people, really help them out. Maybe uh, you got to give up a little bit of that vulnerability, understand what the vulnerability means. Uh, give, give, ask, you know, give more than you take. Ask those questions, you know, make sure, ask somebody, how can I help you? Those are really important. I like the three Ps, polite, persistence, and professional, and find where you fit and where they fit. Um, You know, learn the art and science of uh, professional relationships and how you build them. It's going to take you and your career a lot further. So thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please feel free to share with your friends. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and or please follow us on Spotify, Google and or Apple. Feel free to share an audio or video clip around our show and we may include it in one of our future podcasts. You can find us on social platforms, including LinkedIn at Supporters Fund. Your support and comments are truly appreciated. Please visit us at supportersfund.com or startup events at openpeoplenetwork.com. Thank you and have a fantastic day.